Hello, this is Allie Lindenberg. And Nicole Mulkentine. And you're listening to Raw Authenticity. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we connect with creatives who are living a life of intentionality. Transparent conversations fuel us, and we value all parts of the creative process, especially the ones that are hard to talk about. Here, you will listen to stories of people who are putting something out into the world, hoping to leave it a little bit better than they found it. So thank you for being a part of this conversation. We're glad you're here. Hello, today on the podcast, we are talking to Allie Wallace from Houston, Texas. Allie Wallace is an incredibly talented painter, and her work is deeply rooted in the belief that art can and does transform lives as it provides an outlet for expression and experience. This truly was a beautiful conversation that we had with her, and we are so incredibly stoked to share it with you. I hope you love it. Hello, Allie. Thank you so, so much for joining us on the call today. We're really excited to chat. Thank you. I'm excited to chat with you guys, too. How's your uh, how's your day going so far, your week? Uh, day's pretty good. My husband had a minor surgery this morning, so pretty <laughs> casual. Now he's building an Ikea bed, so he's obviously <laughs> fine. Um, and, yeah, I'm working on some random other creative things. It's been oh, – it's only Tuesday, and it's been kind of a crazy week already. <laughs> That seems to be the general consensus of that's, everybody who's alive. That's so insane <laughs> yeah. that he was literally in surgery this morning and now he's building, even if it's yeah. an Ikea bed. Y'all, modern medicine and Ikea, really, they both should be honored <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> the simplicity of the Ikea bed is shocking. And the incision on his back is like a centimeter. It's nuts. They put a Band-Aid on him. That's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. So it's like you had to knock him out to then just end this with a Band-Aid? But I guess... I don't know. They know what they're doing. So, yeah. Like, we trust it. We trust it. You're from, you live in Texas, right? I live in Texas. I live in Houston. I've been here for five years. I grew up in Dallas, except for the third grade, which I claim is the best year of my life. I lived in Colorado <laughs> for like 10 months and we didn't make it. The Texans uh, couldn't do it. My parents put us back in the minivan and drove us home <laughs> after 10 months. But yeah, so really Texas all the way, uh, Dallas and then Austin for school. I went to UT and then I moved to Houston for a job and I've been here for going on six years, which is kind of crazy, but yeah, it's a great city. I have a question. Um, it's not about, oh, I think you know what I it is. Have you been to Waco, Texas? I've been to Waco. I Have you gone well, to Magnolia? Okay, so I went to Magnolia. Y'all, it's crazy what's happened there. I mean, I grew up driving to Austin all the time. I had family there. And so Waco was the pit stop, right? It was like the same ExxonMobil over and over again. Use the restroom. Dad gets a coffee. We had a, a system. And that was all you did in Waco as a kid. And then in college, Common Grounds opened, which is a great coffee shop. And they started having some things where every once in a while from Austin, we were driving to Waco. And I thought, this is weird. <laughs> Why are we, like, Waco's a destination now? This is shocking. And then Magnolia opened, and now it's a never-ending pilgrimage to the city of Waco. It's pretty cool. It's, uh, the outdoor space is my favorite. They always have food trucks and just tons of people that, you know, just in the middle of the day decided to go hang out at this furniture store, which really makes no sense, but <laughs> the community aspect of it is pretty cool. I have to ask this too, because I was just watching the episode the other day where they did the bakery. How are the cupcakes? Okay. We didn't wait in the line. We couldn't do it. 
it, I went last summer with a couple other teachers. We were both off, and the line was wrapping all the way around. I think it had only been open for a few weeks, and we didn't even think it was open. So we got there, and we're pretty excited about it, but decided this isn't worth it. And <laughs> they actually have, uh, like, the Magnolia hub whatever they pass out this list of our other friends in Waco and so there was a bakery on there that they were endorsing and so we drove there and there was no line and it was amazing <laughs> that's really kind of them oh, I so know nice. pretty cool I feel so bad for the people Joe. not on the list but do you watch you know, Fixer Umber I've seen every episode <laughs> <laughs> that started so I suddenly it. I just really I really like them and you know them. what every time some sort of like news comes out about the the fall of Chip and Joe. I just refuse to believe it. It's never gonna happen. Oh I think they're great, and their kids are so freaking cute. And Emmy, okay, yeah, yeah, I love them. I love all of them. I love all their baby animals. It's yeah, it's a problem. Steve always, my husband will be you know looking at something in a store. He's like, oh, don't go JoJo on me. Like just hold <laughs> on. We, whenever we go places to, like, go look at furniture and stuff like that when we were moving in, we would always compare everything to Magnolia. We were like, what would Joanna say? We, like, went on Magnolia to be like, should we get some stuff for our house? And then we were like, okay, not that adult yet, but one day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one day, Magnolia savings account, y'all can do it. It really, it's cool what they've done. I mean, really, they put HGTV on the map in a totally different way. And, And they're just, they seem like... I know that this is probably really naive, but I just think they're probably good people, right? They seem so or good. They seem so it grounded. It wouldn't be the... going well, I don't right. think. Well, and the <laughs> fact that they stayed in Waco, because, yeah. like, they could, like, Chip and Joe could go anywhere and do houses now. That's how big they are. But, like, they've so stayed true. in Waco and to rebuild yeah. the community, which is really cool. My dad is a carpenter, and so he he always he likes to watch the show because he thinks it's like interesting to see what they're doing. But he has a theory that in like thirty years, all these homes in Waco are going to start collapsing because <laughs> of the floor plans. That we're going to find out that they're not sound, and everything's going to come crashing down. That is so funny. My oh, parents, my dad, that's really that's a kind of a you know intense like. <laughs> Premonition to have about the city of Waco, but I guess we'll find out. He should start like a conspiracy, like YouTube channel or something. <laughs> oh gosh, I mean, he does have an iPhone now, so he wouldn't have <laughs> them. Well, now that we've covered all the talent of Chip and Joanne Games, <laughs> that was really the, that, was, that was the only question we had for you. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. It's been great. I'll have a great night. And <laughs> <laughs> so we want to know what do you do and what is your creative outlet. Okay, so I am a painter. I have been a painter for as long as I can remember. I I always get asked, you know, when did you know? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I think art is just such an intuitive thing. And when you love it, you love it. And obviously your pursuit of it changes over time and looks different depending on your life phase. But I really have always enjoyed it from kind of as soon as I could hold a paintbrush or even not as soon as I could dip my hands in the paint can, (laughs) as my parents will tell you, I've definitely destroyed my childhood home, but, um, yeah. So why painting though? That's a good question. I kind of ask myself that a lot as well, because there's so many art forms and, uh, for some reason painting has just always been a home base for me. 
I, I enjoyed it in high school, but it wasn't something that I really seriously pursued until I did this summer program in Baltimore in between my junior and senior year. I had a school called MICA. It's in Baltimore, the Maryland College um, or Maryland Institute College of Art. Long name. Uh, anyways, great place. I was there for five weeks and was basically a college student. And that's when I realized, ooh, I really love this and I really love painting. I took an oil painting class. It was super intense. The professor was not easy on anyone. And I realized even when this is like kind of tough and someone's, you know, providing me feedback uh, about sometimes not so great things, I still really loved it and wanted to, you know, grow in it and pro like really just see that turn into a career. And so that's kind of the step I've come to now is trying to figure out how to make it as a painter. Yeah, what it, I'm curious about what that process is like for like taking painting from being something that you just love, that you're doing because it's, it's a form of expression that brings you joy to making it a career. Like, what does that process look like? Okay, so I wish I really knew what it looked like to just graduate from college and all of a sudden um, pay yourself full time as an artist, but I'm really still in the thick of that. Um, I am a teacher and I'm still a teacher. I started a job in Houston as a teacher, a math teacher, actually, which is a whole other story. But now I'm teaching art to high schoolers, which is an awesome fit. I see so much of them or so much of myself in them uh, and just watching them kind of grow as creatives. But anyway, that's my day job. Um, I'm at school most of the day. I actually went part time this past school year, which was a huge uh, thing that my school, I am so thankful, said yes to kind of came to them and said, hey, I have this other thing that I really love, and I really hope that you'll let me stay here, but also kind of leave here a little bit. <laughs> and so they worked out a deal for me where I could teach four classes instead of six and have some time to dedicate each day to being in the studio. And that really made a huge difference in investing uh, in myself and having the time to do a little bit more of paying myself as a painter. So I'm getting there, but it's definitely still a process. And I've also come to terms with the fact that I think it will kind of always be a process. Of course, there are some artists who just hit a sweet spot and really make it big. And, you know, those are the household names that not every average person could name. But if you're into art, you've probably got a list of people that you enjoy. And that's the goal, of course. But I also feel like it's okay to have a quote-unquote day job um, as long as it's something that gives you life and teaching for me is a great outlet because I'm a total extrovert at heart and so uh, having a purpose and people to talk to every day and um, not just that but the funniest people of all time teenagers and uh, it's a really good kind of hybrid situation for now. Um, Allie Lindenberg's uh, question to you kind of reminded me of um, I write and I had written this piece and I was like, I have no idea how in the world to get this published. Like I literally don't know the first thing about publishing this piece or having anybody want to read it. And so I emailed this professor that I had and I was like, Hey, how do I get people to read my stuff and to somehow actually pay me for it? And she never <laughs> responded probably because 
similar to your answer, it's like, wow, I'm kind of realizing nobody really knows. <laughs> Everyone's I literally know. just figuring it out. She probably looked at that email and just laughed and was like, oh, yeah. if you figure it out, you tell kid. me, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just I mean, like, and I think. Follow up for her, with her. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, did you get this email or. <laughs> hey, I came to a revelation like... that you probably don't know. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still like, nobody is paying. Hope you don't feel weird about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's, it's kind of part of the beauty of being a creative and it's also the biggest struggle. There's going to be just a total roller coaster uh, financially and already emotionally because we're artists. So <laughs> it's like yeah. there's just a lot invested in it. And, uh, you know, some days I feel really excited about where I'm at. And then other days I get totally stuck feeling like I'm 27 and I'm just here really. And that can be tough, especially looking at now I'm far enough out of school where obviously I'm still connected to, some college friends, but in some ways I'm disconnected from them and watch their lives on social media, which is of course the pits because they make it look amazing. <laughs> doesn't, but you know, you see it and you're like, Oh, another promotion. That's so great for you. And inside, I'm like, <laughs> Me I'm like, too. Oh. Yeah. I'm like packing my PB and J and like Apple. It's like I'm seven years old to take to school the next day and thinking like, what am I doing? It's, this is, I'm still here, you know, because really teaching was my first job out of school. And even though my role has changed, it's, I'm still there. Um, but I, I really can't feel bad about that because teaching, I think, is in so many ways, like one of the most honorable professions. And I say that knowing I'm not going to last forever doing it, but some of my teachers were so inspiring and the people I teach with are just incredible and you know give so much of themselves and there's great value in that so it's it's definitely like okay that this is where I am and now I just have to you know figure out what's next (laughs) how do I take this passion and turn it into something that I can sustain myself with and also I think it comes back to what are our own personal success markers and is job promotions is that one that is a personal success marker? And if it is, then hell yeah, go for that job promotion. <laughs> but for us, maybe our success markers are going to look a little bit different as somebody who's working in a creative field. And maybe that means instead of four classes, you teach two classes one day. And maybe that's not two classes, you help out at the school or something. And just like little by little reaching these success markers that are so divinely unique to ourselves. No, totally. And that's, I mean, really, when I went back to the school thing, when I went to my school and asked for that, you know, part-time setup, it said a lot to me that they were willing to take that risk. So that was a success marker in and of itself that they said yes, you know, like, oh, wow, okay, you must see something in me as an educator, or you would be like, you know, that's okay, we'll find somebody else who will do the whole job. (laughs) And uh, they were willing to kind of, you know, take that cut back with my time. And that said a lot to me and was really looking back on it, a huge boost of confidence of just like, oh, wow, you know, somebody else sees what I'm doing and acknowledges that it's valuable. And I really do think that's why they said, you know, sure, Allie, go for it. Like, we know you want to do this and we see you, you know, working towards it. And so have at it. And 
also, what a model for the kids, you know? I think it would be great, like you said, to eventually say, okay, I'm, I'm teaching even less now because for them it's, uh, you know, an in-person thriving model of it's okay to you know, pursue this risky thing. And that's really hard to do when you're 17, 18 years old and all you want is to fit in. <laughs> you just, you know, want to be like your friends and you want to be told you're great and you're awesome and what you're doing is worth it. And so I'm hoping that they, you know, look towards me as like, oh, Mrs. Wallace, she's trying to be an artist. How cool for her. <laughs> I want to be like her someday. I think too, like just sitting here listening to you is such an affirmation for why we do authenticity because it's so important to talk to creatives and and hear their authentic uh, struggles and triumphs and like you're not pretending to have all the answers and I think that, you know, in the instant gratification world of social media and the internet where you like constantly get articles where it's like, five ways to be your best self today or like <laughs> yeah. 13 ways to like make a million dollars on Instagram or like something yeah. crazy that like oh. it's it really does you know it takes time and it's such an individual process and so much beauty comes from the fact that it is always a process but that beauty is amplified by being honest about the whole story so it's really amazing yeah. to hear you being so transparent about you know I, yeah I'm like in it right now <laughs> yeah well thank you I mean I think yeah it's just gonna take time and that's okay I mean I think as long as I'm just taking steps like you said just success markers and as long as I'm slowly meeting those then I think that's like all I can ask for right is progress and so that's really what the last few years have been about. I mean, before I went part-time, I was investing more time in making art and just kind of challenging myself to at least take a little, you know, a few hours a week to make some pieces. You started your professional career with Teach for America. Did you learn anything about your creative process or um, did that experience impact your creativity at all? Yeah, so at first it really... I would say just, just, well, okay. It wasn't Teach for America that destroyed my creativity. It really was just graduating from school, which might sound really negative, but to be honest, after four years of endless making and reflecting and like proving your ideas to people and producing constantly, you just start to feel like tired. And so when I moved to Houston for TFA, I, I didn't make anything for probably a year and a half. I mean, really a long, long time, which is crazy after just cranking out art like it was my job. And ironically, as soon as it could have been my job, I was ready to not make it, which I think is part of why I went into Teach for America. I was I was really tired um, of that like production with not a lot of feedback from people necessarily, whereas teaching is the ultimate feedback from people because you can look at your students and know if they're understanding something or not or enjoying your lesson or not. And so when I, you know, senior year rolled around and I was thinking like, what am I going to do? I've got a bachelor's in fine arts and a lot of student debt. And I, at the time was dating Steve and it had really, our relationship was pretty new. And so it was like, 
I was hopeful that that would go somewhere, but really I felt like I didn't have a whole lot tying me down. And so I applied for TFA. I really, when I looked back at my college experience, the thing that I had most enjoyed was being a young life leader. And I thought, well, TFA is kind of like being a young life leader all day. You're a teacher. And so, which is not true. Being a young life leader is definitely challenging, but I would say TFA trumps um, young life. (laughs) Uh, It was really, it felt like a very adult job right out of school. I mean, just getting up super early and all the while getting teacher certified, you know, while teaching full time. And then of course, as (laughs) to my total surprise, I was placed as a math teacher. Now, I didn't take a single math class at UT, not one. Like, I took AP stats junior year of high school, got that AP credit, and was out. And so I was shocked. I called them. I really thought they'd made a mistake. I was like, hey, uh, I'm not sure if you've looked at my college coursework, but I haven't taken any math ever at UT. We are always talking to creatives who are always saying like, oh, back when I started doing this thing that I'm doing, it was so bad. And they're always like talking about how it's like, oh, the first thing I produced just sucked. And now I look back at it and I'm like, what was I thinking? Do you ever have that? Or are you like, I was talented the entire time. I've been talented the whole time. I rock. So, I mean, like I said, I've been making art forever. So... There's, you know, there's the transition from like really cute art that I made as a child that I still admire for its, you know, childlike state. And then there's things from middle school and high school that I definitely feel not excited about. But I wasn't really like seriously pursuing art yet. And so I would say the comparative work for me is looking back at maybe like beginning of college pieces from then. I mean, they're really hilarious to me now for sure they're also just different I think I've finally figured out well I'm saying this I'm sure I'll change my mind again but at this point I feel excited about what I'm making and I feel like I've found that sweet spot that I would be okay with people knowing me for and the work in college I felt like was really explorative and all over the place and not cohesive it didn't there was no part of me that felt like I could show it to someone as a portfolio and say, this is me. I wasn't ready to do that. And so I definitely look back at those college pieces as just a uh, total springboard <laughs> that I am no longer on, which is good. <laughs> and I feel, yeah, I feel excited about what I'm making now. And I feel actually proud to put it in front of someone and say, yeah, this is what I'm about, which I think says a lot, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're glad you're excited because we're excited about what you're putting out. Nicole and I have spent so much time on your website and we're just like, what? (laughs) How does she do that? Before this call, Allie literally turned to me and she was like, okay, I think I will finally consider myself an adult when I can buy one of Allie's works of art. And I was like, that's a really good marker. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. I would gladly sell you a painting. (laughs) And you'll know it's a marker of adulthood. Yeah, we have, so I mean, you know, 27, a lot of my friends are married and some of them are even buying houses. And so for several people, it's been definitely that conversation of like, okay, Allie, we're almost ready for a painting. And I'm like, oh, you guys, big steps. Like, you're probably going to have a baby next if you're oh ready to buy a painting. First comes and now, all su- such adults. 
big time adulting. I, I totally get it because I currently couldn't buy one of my paintings either. <laughs> but it is exciting that some people can and that they are. So it's yeah. definitely, definitely great validation uh, for sure. But that's something actually I've been thinking about a lot lately is different, like, I don't know, points of validation. And it is awesome for your friends and for you all, of course, um, you know, who I'm just really meeting today. <laughs> to say we like what you're doing like, that's exciting uh and I'm also kind of wanting more and I don't want that to sound bratty but I really at this point my next big kind of success marker that I'm working towards is that validation from the art world and so I've been spending a lot of time uh, applying for you know group shows and publications and really trying to seek out a lot of feedback from old professors and people that have a foothold in the art world and know what it takes and know kind of, yeah, just the level that you have to be working at and writing at and communicating at and all of the pieces that go with being an artist to actually make it. And so that's the point I'm at now is, okay, I've got, you know, my neighbors want a painting for their, over their fireplace, which is great. And it totally helps pay the bills, but there's that next step of wanting someone who really you know, knows art well and, you know, knows people who have done this as, you know, for a living and have had a thriving career. I want those people uh, to look at my pieces and say, great job, Allie. And so that's the next step is finding those people and getting my work in front of them. I think that's a really great next step. And yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, let me know if we can do anything to help. <laughs> let me introduce you to all those artists. Spread the word. I mean, if anything, like just, you know, this, we got connected through social media and I think it's a great tool and it's definitely something that I've used to get my paintings out there. And it's exciting also to use as a tool to, you know, communicate with other creatives. I'll have people message me. How did you do that? Oh my gosh. I've been trying to make something look that way. You know, tell me all about it. And it's exciting to like pay it forward and help people out. And obviously as a teacher, I love doing that. They're probably like, whoa, chill. I did not need a 19 step response, but thanks girl. Um, so I, I love that and I'll do the same thing, you know, when I see something that kind of strikes a chord with me. So I, the creative community really is a lot more giving than some people give it credit for. I mean, it is in some ways the art world can be super cutthroat. Yeah, I've been rejected a lot. Um, as I said, I've been applying for things and a lot of them have told me no. And that's been tough uh, to still believe in what you're doing when someone just keeps saying like, nah, we're going to take this other person and to celebrate for them and just try to keep growing. So uh, that's like the added challenge at this point is like, OK, I'm not I'm not allowed to be a noob anymore. <laughs> like I've been really producing work consistently for a few years and so I need to you know outside of college and so now I need to yeah hopefully get some of those stakeholders outside of my immediate circle to say we get it and we're, we want to you know help you propel your career well we love it and we believe so we're going to keep doing that and spread that the word. That is all I need. That will get me through. <laughs> Tuesday, so I think that says a lot. <laughs> Good. Um, so uh, you are actually married to a fellow creative. 
Um, and we know that, like you just said, the com creative community can be really um, supportive and welcoming and giving. And so consider you have this tiny little micro community with Steve of, of being a creative as well. We want to know, is there anything that Steve does particularly that fuels your creativity? Yeah. So, I mean, first he's just the best, like he's my biggest fan, which is so important in marriage. I mean, aside from him being my best friend, he really is just like a total cheerleader all the time. Sometimes he actually really does yell at me like a cheerleader. <laughs> the other day I was in my studio working and I, I don't know what I was doing. I guess I had just painted like a big section on a piece. And so it had really changed. And he walked in and just was like, oh my gosh, like screaming. <laughs> I mean, actually screaming at me. I dropped my paintbrush and turned around. I got kind of mad at him because it scared me. But he was literally just cheering me on. And he does that sometimes literally and then other times just through being supportive and um you know when it's a day where I've been rejected being like hey I get it and I know that he actually does get it and I'm really thankful for that I think that you know it's it's great to have friends who do lots of different types of things but having your other get your world is so important and I really like I love my friends who are accountants and engineers and all the things, but they don't get it. And that might sound like kind of pessimistic, but they, they just don't. And I can, they want to get it and they're great friends and ask all the right questions. And, but really that like tie to your baby, your business, your art, your, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, it's, you can't really tangibly explain that to somebody who hasn't lived it. And so most of all, I just, I'm so thankful that he's doing something in a similar vein and that he, you know, can celebrate just as passionately when something great happens and can sit in the rejection with me because he's also experienced that. Um, and we have really different strengths was another thing that is really great because I, as we found out tonight with Skype, I'm really bad at uh, technology and um, I struggle with like self-promotion that's not something I'm really that great at and he totally gets the brain of a marketer and is amazing at the computer and all things techie and so uh, he also balances me out in that we can kind of meet each other as a you know yin yang and complete some gaps in each other's creative process which is really cool all of this is so beautiful. Um, I feel like my heart is a little bit bigger now from hearing this. Um, I think that that opens up so much more space to have those me too moments um, to like be like, oh, I really get that. Um, it's not the same, but my mom and dad have been married uh, for 38 or 39 years. They're going on 40 years and they started dating when they were 16 and oh, gosh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. But also my mother, I love her so much, but she does not understand heartbreak. And I was like explaining this to her the other day and she just goes, I love you, but I don't get it. She's like, no, I don't know. Like I don't. <laughs> and I was like, I can't, I was like, well, that's okay. You don't get it, but, uh, I'll ask someone else, but <laughs> I will call someone else. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. But to have something that is like, your third leg, your creative like limb mm. that somebody else can be like, Oh, I get it. That is such a powerful thing. 
Totally. Yeah. It's really been a cool thing. And I mean, when we met, Steve was not doing creative things really. And so that's been cool too, to like see him grow into a creative. I was already an art major. So he met me as, you know, the artsy painter girl, but I met him as the football team intern and history major <laughs> who thought he was going to be a history coach or a, sorry, a football a coach and a history coach. teacher. Oh gosh, that would be coach. weird. <laughs> I don't know that that's really a real profession. Um, a history teacher and a football coach. That's where he thought he was headed. And so it's really interesting too, to see how his story has like morphed and how he's found great value in kind of becoming a creative. And I've really enjoyed in our almost four years of marriage, like watching that happen. And it's a pretty cool thing. So authenticity is made up of two different words. It's both raw and authenticity. And we really want to focus on that raw side of it, that vulnerability side of it, that feeling of being exposed in some way. Um, And so we think it's really important to check in and ask our creatives, when do you feel the most raw? Yeah, so I think some of the things I've mentioned definitely fall in that category. Um, When I feel, you know, rejected, when this thing that you've put out that, you know, is really personal, it's your art, it's your thoughts, it's your concepts, it's like your heart and soul on canvas, and then to have someone tell you, I'm not into it. That's definitely a moment where I feel like totally stripped down and I'm wondering, why am I doing this? But then on the other side, I mean, that can be, you know, a point for growth. And I think it has been to be able to like dust yourself off and just try again. Pretty sure that's a song. Mm -hmm. Destiny's Child. Anybody? Don't know. Can't remember. (laughs) Could you sing it for us? (laughs) You trust me, you do not want me to. That is not my creative gift. That is another podcast with another person. Beyonce, perhaps. Um, <laughs> Beyonce's next. Yeah. I mean, y'all, she's from H Town. I've met her pastor. We'll make it happen. Um, <laughs> well, if you know the pastor. Yeah, yeah she's pretty cool. That's a whole other story. But uh, anyway, so yeah, moments of rejection, I definitely feel really raw and like kind of at my core. Uh, and at the same time, like moments of victory or like yes moments where you you know take a leap of faith and you say yes to a project and it actually goes well and maybe you build a connection and someone sees value in what you're doing and those moments too it's like those are really personal and exciting so I guess really it's the like uh, you know the polar ends of being a creative those are the moments where I feel the most raw so like the highs of oh my gosh this is working and then the lows of like I really care about this and no one else does what's happening. I feel like this is one of the few interviews where I've really felt the rawness from the whole interview. Like usually we get, we crack people open at the end. We like (laughs) obviously ask all these questions that we like at the beginning, but then we really at the end, we want to know, you know, what makes you raw. And I feel like you are someone who just lives it and breathes it. And it's been infused to this (laughs) whole conversation. And I really, really, I'm so grateful for that. This has been really fun and I'm sure when people listen they're gonna wonder where can we find her her work her art and so would you mind sharing like your social medias websites all those sort of things yes so my website is alexandriawallace.com which you might be thinking who is that (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. my full given name 
And really when I started pursuing art, I was like, ooh, I, I need an alias. I'm going to have to go by my full name because I need to separate communication and sound like an adult. So I made everything Alexandria. So thanks, Mom. Shout out, Alice, um, for naming <laughs> me that. Sounds a little more formal. So alexandriawallace.com. And then my Instagram is alexandriawallaceart. And that's it. That's all I'm on. Twitter is totally going down. And uh, <laughs> My Facebook is kind of sleepy. So, yeah, look for me in those two places, Instagram and on the web. Awesome. We are seriously so grateful for having you on the podcast. You are the type of creative that I feel fueled and, like, more excited to be a creative by listening to your story. Well, thanks, y'all. I really appreciate you having me. I mean, like I said, having validation from the outside world is really exciting, and this was definitely that. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Rothenticity today. We had a great time making this episode and hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to learn more about us, you can find us at www.rothenticity.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Rothenticity. If you love this episode, you should subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. We also want to give a huge shout out to Rachel Clevenger. That rocking music you heard at the beginning was beautifully composed by her. We'll see you next week when we sit down with another incredible creative.